Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church. We are delighted you have chosen to listen in today. It's our hope the message of Jesus will continue to spread and bear fruit, both in your life and the world around us. For more digital content, feel free to check us out on the web at calvarybcmoultrie.com. And now for today's message. say there's not many things that make me cry, but that wouldn't be the truth. But how sweet it is to see you, to hear your voice clinging to our Savior. Nothing does a shepherd's heart good than to see his flock still loving our great King. So praise God for you. You have been missed. I know we've talked over the phone. I know some of you I've been able to interact with, but man, what a sweet, sweet time. Uh, David and I love you guys more than I think you realize. We love the body of Christ here at Calvary. And um, we're thankful that we can have this day today to uh, hear each other sing, to hear God's word, and to plead to our Father. So would you um, open your Bibles to James chapter 1. James in chapter 1. If you're... If you don't have a Bible, um, there is those ones in the pew in front of you. I encourage you to grab that and have it open. Um, it will benefit you to have it open. Um, and I wasn't in here if David didn't mention it, but just sit in the same row. That way we don't have to disinfect the Bibles too. So just sit where you're sitting and we'll continue to, to do that together until we'll, certain things have been lifted in guidelines. But let's read God's Word, James chapter 1, and we're going to read just verses 2, 3, and 4. Hear the Word of the Lord. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reality of just the songs we've sung, Lord. That there's a solid place where our hope is found. That there is a God who calls us to, to seek after him and that you hear us and that we've tasted and we've seen you are good. That you are one who is strong and kind and pursued us. So Father, we just say thank you. Thank you that the moments like this, there is great hope available for us. But Father, as we open your word today, Lord, I pray you would reveal your kindness in trials. And help us to see, Lord, that you are doing a good work in us through this. And we ask this all for Christ's glory and for the joy we find in him. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So James, the brother of Jesus here, starts this letter encouraging the early Christians to understand current trials with joy... And he does so by focusing on God's promise of real change, of real change. Let me say that again. Christians are called to understand trials with joy by focusing on God's promise of real change. And interestingly enough, the the real change is, is an internal change here. This word steadfast is not like the things of this world will stop being in chaos. The things of this world will, will be settled down if you're a follower of Christ. But it's actually the opposite. It's an internal settledness of our understanding of who God is for us in Jesus Christ. 
And one of the things that I want to try to do today, and we're not going to do a typical kind of walk through a section of verses, but I'm going to try and paint themes of the Bible. Themes we see in the Bible during this time. And what's interesting is just even this reality that steadfastness is a promise that God promises to those who look to him in the midst of trials. That we find joy in that. And Peter, Peter teaches the same idea in Romans 5, 3 through 5, and he, but he calls it endurance. 1 Peter 1 talks about it. It says that the tested genuineness of your faith might be found. See, throughout the New Testament and Old Testament, we see the biblical truth that our good and kind Father sends trials and sufferings to test our internal frame. And as Christians, we need to understand that. That there is a reality that the Bible portrays that it's not like all glitz and glamour when we know Christ, when we follow Christ with all of our hearts. But he actually says throughout the framework of the Bible, he says that I'm going to constantly use the brokenness and the, the hardships of this world to check the internal frame of your faith. And this is coming from a good and kind father. God in his kindness never wants us to think or feel life is normal. You know, that's been my biggest fear as a pastor. I've been praying that we would not go back to normal. I think that would be a travesty of God's kindness in this season of the global pandemic that's been, that we would want to go back to normal. God never called his people to function in normality, but to live as those who are exiles, right? We've studied First Peter. We've seen this to be true. See, God is always intensifying our faith. He's increasing its delight, its joy, its obedience, its fullness in who God is for us in Jesus Christ. And he does so through trials, through suffering. Maybe a quick illustration will help us to understand this here. I played soccer my whole life. I loved the game of soccer. But I had a coach in high school who I loathed. I hated him. And it was because of one particular phrase. Here was Coach Jackson's phrase. All right, boys, time to see what you're made of. And if you know anything about a coach and when he says something like that, you know, I found it interesting. He never said that as we were walking into Dairy Queen. He never said that when practice was over and we were going to go home. This meant he was about to ratchet up the intensity of being a coach who's pulling us in and driving us to something greater. And in seasons like this, you know, if I can believe my coach actually thought my best interests by making me work harder and struggle more and, and find out that I'm, I'm actually, I have something greater than I believe I have. I can trust God Almighty to do the same thing. He's looking at his Christians and he's like, all right, guys, let's see what you're made of. Is your faith real? Is it just a head knowledge? Or do you really believe I am eternal, everlasting, God, powerful, sovereign, love, merciful, kind? Do you believe I'm all those things? And it's in seasons like this where his kind hand brings trials and sufferings in such a way that we can begin to have greater faith and greater joy as a result of this season. And that's what God is offering to all of us today. And he has been this entire pandemic season. And so today I want to to offer three truths that God has been showing me through his word in this season. And as I've reflected over five weeks of being apart, not just apart from you, but everything's been changed, right? Work, some of you haven't worked for 
four, five, six weeks. Some of you are still plugging hard. And yeah, Tony's like, no, I'm still going, man. <laughs> some of you, but some of us have. Our world has been rocked. And God's kindness, he's, he's shaking the very foundations of our normalness. And he say, do you actually believe the doctrine that you proclaim? That I am good. That I am sovereign. That I am doing all things for the good of my people. That I'm calling people to myself through this. And my son, Jesus Christ. And my hope is that we as individuals, but more importantly, that we as a church would not want to go back to normal. But allow this trial to produce in us a stronger internal faith that changes the way you live every day. This season of life is a time where the knowledge of truth about God is moving from our heads to our hearts. This is a season in life where God is saying, do you really believe who I am? And so we need to see these things. And so we're going to walk through kind of three truths that we see in the scriptures. Kind of themes we see woven throughout the Bible. And my prayer is that in us seeing this, we will understand that God is exactly who he says he is. First, one of the things that I know I've been seeing through this season is that life and its things, they're perishing. That's probably one of the biggest things that's been just thrown at the reminder of my heart is, is that life is perishing and the things of this world are also perishing. See, and one of the best ways to see if, if we do not believe life is perishing is to see how we react when we lose things in this world. I think that's one of the greatest ways. When something in this world that you, that you claim to not really believe is all that important, when it, when it goes away because of a virus, maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you lost some of your house in, in the midst of the storm that hit us last Thursday. And how you react to that weather is really an indication of whether you believe this world is perishing. See, when we cling to things of this world too tightly, we actually have the potential of going into deep, deep distress when God sends his trials and sufferings upon us. And you may be living this life and for the things of this world and I just want to remind you they're perishing. Don't cling to them too tightly. See when the loss of anything of this world creates within you such panic and heartache that you're not just sure if you can move on in life you may have forgotten that you are mortal. That everything is perishing. You may be worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And God in trials and suffering, he's reminding his people that this life and its things, they are perishing. So hold with love and enjoyment those things, but hold them with open hands. I'm not saying, right, don't love anything, right? We're not going into this idea of like this, you don't just detach yourself from the world. And No, God calls us to love and enjoy, but to do so with open-handed because everything we love of this world is temporary. And it is perishing. So how COVID-19 reminds us of our, of our mortality. I mean, one of the best things I've been thinking of, I, I just, sometimes I, I watch media or I see someone and I feel like I'm in the movie um, Spartan or 300, I think it's called 300, right? Where King Leonidas and his Spartan or Persian emperors come in and they send a messenger and he comes up and he says, why don't you just bow the knee to the king of Persia? And everybody knows what he, right, King Leonidas says. What does he say? Kicks him in his chest and he says, we are Sparta. And I feel like we're like, we think as the world, we're King Leonidas when we're actually the messenger. Coronavirus just kicked us in the chest and said, you are mortal. And don't forget it. 
And this is a kind thing for us. I want you to know that this is good for us to be reminded that our life is perishing. Why is it good then? Why is it good that we be reminded of this? Well, the Bible gives us lots of answers. How does the Bible answer that we should be longing for immortality, but not now, not in this world? Well, Genesis 2 tells us that, right? That you and I were made from the dust. Genesis 3 tells us to the dust we shall, what? Return. You see, the result of the sin of Adam is that we will all return to dust. Everything will return to dust. Quit clinging on to your dust, people. And think about that. You're clinging to dust as if it's going to satisfy the longing for immortality that God has placed in your heart. The only thing that can satisfy the longing for immortality is clinging to something that's immortal. And that is God himself. Quit clinging to our stuff. We see in Psalm 90 a song about a psalm about the everlasting God. And in the midst of this song about the everlasting God, right in the middle of it, he says, teach us to number our days. So in the middle of the psalm, we see just the psalmist rejoicing that God is everlasting from ever to everlasting. You are God. And as a result of realizing he's God, the call of the human heart is teach us to number our days. We are perishing. We see in Job. The very first thing God allowed Satan to destroy was all of the perishable things of this world. To test Job's heart was Satan's goal. And God said, go ahead, because he actually is clinging to something better. How do we know that? Because Job himself says what? My Redeemer lives, and one day he will stand again upon this earth. He declares. He says, my hope is not in the things that perish, but in the one who is immortal, God himself. We see in 2 Corinthians 4 that the Bible says, Paul, encouraging the people, says that our outer body is wasting away. But praise God, our inward body is being renewed day by day. Do you believe this, church? Or are you sitting here in the middle of COVID-19 naked and afraid? Because your hope is in things that perish. We see in James 4. The reminder that life is but a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. Life is perishing. And I want to just lay before you this biblical truth. Stop clinging to the stuff that doesn't matter as much. I'm not saying we should all just forget about everything in this world. But I am reminding you that there is great idols that well up in our heart for things that really don't last. And I pray that we would not want to go back to normal of loving the creation more than we love the creator. See, Genesis 3, there's this pulse throughout, since Genesis 3, there's this pulse throughout the Bible that life is perishing and we are simply dust and we need to hold on to something that's greater. Can I tell you also the Bible offers you something? The Bible declares something to be true. We see throughout the scriptures that the Bible offers a better city. Right? We see this in multiple locations. Job, right? He believed this to be true in Job 19 when he said, right? For I know that my Redeemer lives. We see Abraham believe this as well in the hall of faith that we see in Hebrews 11. It says, for he was looking forward to the city whose foundations were built by God himself. Is that your longing, church? Does this remind you that there's something better coming for us? The city of God will come down to man and we will commune with him. 
And all rights will be, all wrongs will be righted and all diseases will be gone. All tears will be wiped away. All pain. That's what he's reminding you. Don't get so tightly clinging to the things of this world. We are a people that long for the better city. And the one whose founder is God himself. The Bible reminds us this life and its things are perishing and holds out the promise of this better city. And he says, here's the amazing thing about the Bible. It doesn't say you have to wait for that joy to experience then. Because we know it's coming, I can experience the joy now. It's yours, brothers and sisters. If you're in Christ, that's your joy in this moment. I can look at COVID and I can say, take what you want. My joy is secure because its founder and its builder is God himself. We should not long for the city of dust, but we should long for the city of God. The one he has promised to those who are clinging to his son, Jesus Christ. Everything else, we live with open hands. And if you're here today, and this this finds your heart in the midst of hearing these things, you're finding your heart that you have actually been clinging to things of this world too tightly. Right now, ask God to give you a greater longing for something better. Right now, ask God, say, God, produce in me a longing for the better city whose maker and builder is God. Maybe, maybe you're like, well, heck, Pastor Josh, we might as well just go live in caves then and hang out and just wait there until he returns, if that's what you're saying. Nope, because the Bible speaks to some other truths too, doesn't it? Something we've just discovered is that caves suck. They're decaying too. So why would we say, want to go to a cave? Social distancing is a cave of despair. So we're not saying isolate, isolate. We're not saying isolate. So what do we do? We invest in real relationships. That's the greatest second truth that the Lord's been telling me and reminding me of. That as I've been away from you guys and I've been away from others that I love, I'm like, man, I miss relationships. I miss them because relationships, according to the Bible, are precious. A gift of the Lord. And some of you are like, well, that's funny. I mean, the world's telling us to social isolate, right, to social distance. The world's been telling you that for years. They've been telling you that for years. I mean, that's, we, we enjoy things like Netflix. Go and go to an alternate reality and binge on Netflix. They've, been, they've broken down the beauty of face-to-face interaction with phones and texts. They even have given us and offered you an alternate world community called Facebook. We've been social distancing for a long time, brothers and sisters. And it's not right. See, we've disguised detachment and called it community. And we live on this Facebook world as if it's a real community where real relationships could happen. And the Bible is saying, no. I've designed this. God's saying, no, no, no. I've designed this beautiful thing for relationships to be real. Now, Netflix, phones, and Facebook are not evil in themselves. But they truly have prevented us from having real life with one another. COVID-19 has reminded us that something better than these pseudo-relationships is offered. Real relationships found and rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. See, there's something about actually interacting with real human beings. Right? There's something like, like I was excited to see Randy smile today. You know, Ryan, York's not here right now. I was excited and I longed for the day to get a big bear hug from Ryan, which is, which is so funny because Ryan hates contact. 
He hates contact, but he knows there's something beautiful about brothers in Christ embracing. It's better than the holy kiss. I miss Mildred's laugh. Nothing like, I mean, you can hear it on the phone. But a 92-year-old lady who still finds her joy and hope in Christ. That's real. We're designed for that. We're created for real relationships. And so there's a call in the midst of this COVID to reevaluate the way we interact with one another. See, the Bible calls us to relationships that go deeper than the surface. Hebrews 3, 11. Hebrews 3, 11 through 12. Tells us some interesting truths. That's what it says. Excuse me, Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest any of you... Be, unless there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold original confidence firm to the end. There's something unique about the way the author of Hebrews says there is meant to be real relationships where you encourage, where you fight against sin together, when you remind each other of the better city to come. He says, and you can't do this via text. You need to do this face-to-face. You need to do this real. You need to do this genuineness. There's 100 times that we see the word one another throughout the New Testament. The pulse of the New Testament is you're doing life together. And he says this is good. And these passages talk about loving each other, serving each other, encouraging each other, admonishing each other, rebuking one another, caring for another, bearing with one another. And brothers and sisters, we can't do this from Facebook or phones. We need each other. And not just relationships, but full-color relationships. I remember my, my dad's mother. She was born in 19... 19- 21, I believe. She used to talk about the days of the silent movie. Right? When it was a screen and there was no words. And, you know, they had to print them up there and all this stuff. And she hated them because she didn't read very well. So she couldn't really be in a real kind of engaging relationship with that movie. And then she was so excited when sound came out. And there was a black and white movie now with sound. And she was super excited because now she felt like she could begin to understand things a little better. But unfortunately, it didn't stop there, did it, right? It, we, we developed something else. What else developed? Color. But I'm afraid many of us are still living in black and white relationships. We got a little bit of sound and we're, we're okay there. When God is laying before us something that is full color, real relationships. See, at the end, black and white relationships will still fail us. Black and white relationships are those who know birthdays and wedding anniversaries, but they don't know someone's ambitions. They don't know what's going wrong or going right in other people's weddings and marriages. But I know their anniversary. I know their birthday. That's a black and white relationship. God calls you to more. He says, know what they long for. Know where they're struggling. Know where they're hurting. Black and white relationships are those that merely say, I'll pray for you, and then you leave, 
and you never pray for them. I've done that so many times. And God calls me to do so much more. We need to be the people that when we hear someone hurting, we stop and right then and there we pray with them. And then we keep praying for them until the Lord provides grace and mercy and answers his, this prayer. Black and white relationships are those where we merely interact on Sundays and church days. That's black and white relationships. And God's calling us to full-orbed relationships. See, the problem is about these kind of relationships is they're nothing more than reading a Facebook profile. Would you say that's a real relationship? I know that person. I've read their Facebook profile. That's what we've settled for in the church is, is merely knowing someone's Facebook profile. When God says, come into this beautiful relationship where you can cry when they cry, where you can rejoice when they rejoice, where you can hurt when they hurt, you can bear with them, we can love, we can encourage, all of these things. He calls us to full-color relationships. And COVID-19 has reminded me, I want that. I want that kind of relationship. Now, full-color, don't get me wrong, it's messy, because guess what you can see in color? You can see all the flaws, too. More pain. But oh, are they so much fun when you're in Christ together. And they will change you forever. Just the other day, I noticed my heart of somebody grumbling about COVID-19. And I almost started to cry. It's kind of funny. I was like, in my heart at that moment, I felt like this. I wanted to say, man, suck it up. I did. I feel myself. I'm like, you know, that's nothing more than a black and white relationship. But by God's grace, in that moment when I felt that rising up and fixing to come out of my mouth, I was like, no. And I just sat down there next to him and I just listened. And I cried with him. And at the end of it, we prayed. And we said, God, help us to be sustained and long for you and in Christ and longing for his spirit to produce him more and more in us. And at the end, this person looked at me and they just said, No one has listened to me for four weeks. That's the difference in black and white relationships and real gospel, Bible, true, life-on-life relationships. Where we hurt with people, we pray with people, we share our lives with people. And maybe this is so hard for you because I know in American culture so often we feel like I can't let other people into my problems. And the Bible says, no, that's what God says, I've given you the body of Christ for, to do it together, dependent on him and his grace. And so just three quick suggestions to you. Pastor David wrote a great article about better questions. How do we ask better questions to each other? It's on our website, calvarybcmultry.com. And just kind of scroll down towards the bottom. I'm not sure what the, I think it's two people sitting in like a diner thing. Read it. He gives you a list of just good, 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 good questions to get below the surface Stop functioning in black and white relationships. Another one is, I want to just challenge you. I know we're still under guidelines. I mean, they're not restrictions. You can gather if you want to gather. You need to have, as a family, as individuals, as singles, I'm pleading with you. You need to mark off a day or a couple days on your week, and your table is open to other people. There's nothing more sweet than fellowship at a table together. And you get food. It's a win-win. There's something about the table that, that breaks down walls where people will have conversations and ask those good questions. But be intentional right now to say, you know, as soon as we're comfortable as a family to invite people to our home, we are going to make it a weekly practice. A weekly practice. 
And the last suggestion so that we might have full-color relationships is that we would plead with God that we would be vulnerable with each other. It's such a hard thing. And there's safety in Christ and there's safety in God's people that we might rejoice in the midst of messy relationships. So we can see, we can see this idea that COVID-19 and storms like last Thursday have reminded us that life is perishing and relationships are precious. But honestly, the greatest thing that I've been learning in the midst of this is I don't see how anyone can go through any of this without hope. I don't see how anyone can go through any of this without hope. I mean, that's where we, all the what if questions come from, right? That we, we what if this, what if that, what? God is. And he's declared himself to be faithful and good. And so I just want to remind us, as we kind of draw this to a close, that hope is pivotal for you in these seasons. The world may be telling us the same things, like relationships are real, don't cling to this world. And you know what makes Christians different? Is we have hope. They're, they're still trying to grit it out. Like, oh, relationships are important. They're saying the same thing we are. The difference between us and them is our hope is not found in anything we can do. That's the difference in the Christian hope. It's based on everything that God has done. It's outside of us. And God tells you that I'm in Christ offering you a living, real hope. Something that's outside of this world. And nothing, as we sang, can take it away. Nothing. Nothing will begin to transform a person when their hope is unshakable. We see this, this idea of hope throughout the scriptures. But I want, I want to focus in on two verses. God's word says in Ephesians 1.18, it says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. One of the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. See, salvation, brothers and sisters, we've got to stop thinking it's merely a ticket to heaven. Right? It is a reality. We do have salvation that, that we will be in the presence of God one day. In the new heaven and the new earth. That my wrath and my sin, that all of that's been taken. But see, that's, just, that's all in the distance, right? He says, right now you can have hope and joy. In this moment. Because Christ rose from the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's interceding for his people. That's real hope. Hope that's positioned. Because here's the amazing thing. Right? The first thing, life is perishing. It's because I'm clinging to dust. But when we cling to Christ, he's resurrected. He's in a glorified body. And he will never again die. He will never again be shaken. He will never again be taken. He is one who you can rest in because he is always and will always be. Not only that, I think of 1 Corinthians 1.9. See, God is faithful, is what it says, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. And right now, God is calling us to be reminded that you are knit to Christ, that you have been woven together by faith and his spirit that indwells his people. And you have a certainty of something that is never going to be shaken. Do you believe that? Are you floundering around naked and afraid in the midst of this pandemic. We've been clothed in Christ. He was for us. We are in him. He is in us by his spirit. And he's calling us to believe that God is exactly who he said he is. You know what God said? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
It's a promise. It's ours because of Christ. He says, I will watch over you and I will give you peace. Not like peace that the world offers, right? Because you don't have to fear because what? I've already overcome the world. That's what he's offering you in this hope. He's saying, I'm preparing an eternity for you in this better city. Do you believe it? Do you believe your hope is that certain, that secure, that real, that it changes the way you live and you do not want to go back to normal? I want to live forever for the kingdom that lasts. And I want people to know and hear and experience God through me. He says, I'm giving you a living hope. It's found in Christ and in Christ alone. And here's how he got this for us. He entered the dust. God eternal entered the dust of this world. He suffered unjustly for our sins so that he might be the just and the justifier. In order that our sin and our wrath might be removed, but more importantly, to give his people real hope. That's what God did. And he's calling you into that today. He's calling you into a hope that is pivotal to live for him. If you would, really quick, we're going to finish on a text that I read during Easter, 1 Corinthians 15. If everyone goes there, we're going to just... I pray this is our longing. I pray this is our hope. I pray this is a a reality that you believe to be true so that you don't have to to be naked and afraid in the midst of this, but you can be one who is confident in the Lord and all that he is doing now and promised to do in the future. We're going to read verses 50 through 58 again of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. The author of Paul, of, of, um, Paul, the author, writes to the first Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians. He says, I tell you, this brother's flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So the things that we find to be hope-giving, life-giving, they're actually perishable. And he says, what can they not do? They cannot inherit the kingdom. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on imperishableness. And the mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, O death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gave us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to be naked and afraid. He's promised you an imperishable body in His forever presence. This is real hope. This is true, genuine hope. He's coming back and he's going to make all things new. That's the kind of hope that will change the way you live right now. How do I know that? Look at verse 58. Based on all this truth about the resurrection, Paul looks at the church of Corinth and he says, Therefore... So based on this truth, here's what I'm calling you to. My beloved brothers, be steadfast, 
immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that when you labor for the Lord, you never labor in vain. Don't want to go back to normal. Desire, plead, begin as families or as individuals asking God to help to give you the hope that is pivotal to change your life. Why? Because when we have a hope in Him, it changes the way we live. We're steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. This is what we need. Hope in Christ. And I'm pleading with you. Don't want normal. Don't want normal. God is offering us something so much better in Christ. And because we have this great hope in Jesus, may we live as those who believe things of this world are perishing, the relationships are precious, but above all else, our hope in the resurrected Lord is pivotal. Live for him. He will never fail you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening in to today's message. For more information about our church, feel free to visit us at calvarybcmoultrie.com. We hope you will join us again next time. Until then, grace and peace.